Amen. Children are dismissed back to Praise Factory. If you'd open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 6, we'll be finishing in Matthew 6 this morning. And um, we are we're going to be taking a break from the Gospel of Matthew for a short period of time, but we will come back. Um, we, we've got some things to consider as we look at 2017 and beyond. So we'll spend a, a couple weeks up in the pulpit dipping into different texts and, uh, and seeing where it is uh, that, that um, we believe that the Lord would have us go. We're going to read Matthew 6, starting in verse 25, and we'll read to verse 34. Jesus is, is speaking, and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning to hear a word from you. And we come, Lord, in a, in a, in a day when people are worried and anxious about a great many things. Many of us are concerned about how we will make it from month to month or year to year with the cost of things increasing. Sure, we have roofs over our head, but the anxiety comes when we think, for how long? We have food to eat, but as prices for things increase, we think, well, how much? With the cost of, of everything climbing, except wages, it feels like a good bump could shake everything up. We lose our homes. We lose our ability to provide for our family. We live in an age of incredible medical knowledge. And while knowing more about healing and cures 
is a benefit of this knowledge age, we also know that there are many, many ways to get sick and to die. And so there's a, there's a fear there when it comes to health. There's the anxiety of, of not knowing what could happen. There's the anxiety of, of tensions in governments throughout the world and, and, and no knowledge of what will happen in the future, Lord. There are so many things that cause us to worry. And there is an entire host of industries built around worry, whether they are insurance or news or fashion. All of these things trying to promote insecurity so that we'll keep coming back to them. Father, we know that no human being knows the whole future or can provide freedom from anxiety just with their words or their knowledge. You are the one who we're to shelter in, who we're to come to as the one who frees us from our fears. And so we pray as we consider this subject this morning, Lord, that you would break chains and bring relief and that, and that the words from the scriptures would come like good news from a foreign land and they would encourage our souls. Father, I pray that, that we would leave this place this morning having heard from you And that we would be committed to walking the path of, of inner peace. Knowing that it's, it's not just believing the right things that bring freedom. But it's walking in them and living in them. That brings the release that, that so many of us desire. Father, we pray your grace on all that we say and all that we do. We pray that we would hear these words from Jesus and apply them to our hearts in his name. Amen. I want to begin as we talk about anxiety and worry um, from the words of Jesus. I want to I want to begin with just a uh, a word of encouragement to you. Uh, it has it has been my prayer and my hope that as I as I've prepared and as I've thought through this, that, that those of you who, who struggle with this, who struggle with anxiety, and I know that you are out there, you know who you are, whether you've come and spoken to me or not. Some of you have. I'm sure that there are more who haven't. I want to make sure that a sermon and a message on anxiety does not drive your anxiety. Does that make sense? As I consider the first line of Jesus, it, it feels like this message could go one of two ways. Uh, Jesus' first statement might be a cause of anxiety for some of you. It may result in feelings of self-condemnation. And it may fuel your own self-loathing. And I want to encourage you uh, not to do that, but to see what I believe Jesus is doing by design in the way that he approaches this subject. Jesus is, is speaking uh, in the midst of this message. He's talking about how people see the vision with which they engage the world. And we spoke extensively about that last week. He says in verse 22 that the eye is the lamp of the body. 
the eye is the organ which uses light to provide guidance for the body. So the eye is, is the lamp. By means of the eye, the body finds its way. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And so he's saying that it is important to see and to have a proper perspective on the world. To see clearly. And, and he has been building this out in, in his message about um, who is blessed and, and how we're supposed to view ourselves and what our perspective on different pieces of the law should be. And then working through the Lord's Prayer, how are we to view God and his attitude towards us? And so he's saying, be careful how you see. And then he moves to this subject of anxiety in verse 25. He says, therefore, built on everything that I've said, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Oh, but I am anxious about my life. And Jesus is telling me not to be anxious about my life. And now I'm worried that he's not going to accept me and love me and care for me because I am anxious. And he's telling me to stop. And I just don't know how. I can't. It, it, it piles on. It's a, it's a cycle. It's like the waves. It gets greater and greater and greater. Let me encourage you, if that's the way that you begin... You hear Jesus say, stop, and you say, but I can't. Just rest. Take care and consider. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. He's building this statement, this command, not to be anxious on the foundation of all that he set up to this point about who God is and what God calls us to. Do not be anxious anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Jesus is, is highlighting all of these areas in which people are anxious, what it is that drives their, their fear or their, their dread. This is, this is not when he's, he's not saying do not fear like never experience the reaction of fear. He's not saying do not recoil in the presence of snakes. This is a good thing. Right, uh, A couple months ago, I was walking around the building and somebody was supposed to come. A, uh, I think somebody from a glass company was supposed to come and, and give us a quote on, on something. And, uh, and I had kind of walked the building and I was like looking for debris and different stuff, like making some notes of what I wanted to talk with the guy about. And I was standing right outside that window right there. And uh, don't get freaked out. And everything was fine. And then the guy came, and as I came around the side of the building, there was a long black snake there. And I was like, <gasps> you know, like it felt like my, my, my body was going this way, but all of my skin wanted to go that way. <laughs> that is a good and healthy reaction that human beings have when they are near snakes. And I've never seen him ever again. So don't, don't, don't fear. Don't worry. Um, He's more afraid of you than you are of him, all that stuff, right? No, still, like, like when, when you have that visceral fear reaction, right, it's, it's kind of like when you put your hand on something hot and your hand just kind of like yanks itself off. You're not even like, this is burning. What is that smell? God, God blessed you with the ability to yank your hand away on impulse. That's a good thing. It keeps you safe. It's good. That's not what he's talking about when he's talking about anxiety, we might, we might call this kind of anxiety dread. 
to fear something that will or might happen. We insulate ourselves from this dread because it can be completely overwhelming, but it it can be in the back of our minds lurking and nagging and gnawing away at us. We we can hide this this base fear for our own lives. What what will I what will happen? I need to be able to supply myself with food. And I what what will happen if I suddenly find myself without a home? Or, you know, how what if I'm unable to meet my needs? This kind of nagging, gnawing, I am going to die anxiety creeps up. And we can mask it, we can bury it under all kinds of things. Because because to to confront that reality can just be overwhelming. And so we worry about the condition of our cars, or we think, how will I pay my bills? Or we, we worry about all kinds of, of little things. What if this person no longer wants to talk to me? What if I get fired from my job? All of these, these, these things. And then we hear Jesus speak to us, and it can just crush us if we, if we hear it, from a perspective of just stop it. We hear Jesus saying, if you are anxious, you are breaking my commands, right? And we, we, we hear that and we think, I am a loser because I am worried. Where what I believe we should hear us to hear Jesus saying, he says, therefore, built on everything that I'm telling you, don't worry. You have nothing to worry about. Consider and think and stop worrying. So he's going to give us an argument here. He's going to build a case for not being torn apart by anxiety. So first, he points to uh, the, the things that we worry about, and he says there's more. Look at, look at what Jesus says in verse 25. He says, Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Isn't there, isn't there more going on in our lives? I mean, think about it. You, you probably don't spend an enormous amount of your life. Yes, I understand, ladies, it takes a little longer to pick out the perfect outfit, right? You know, I, I get it. It takes a slice of your life, but you don't spend, you do, very few people are paralyzed all day considering what they will wear, right? For most guys, it's like just kind of get something on and get going, right? You know, get, get moving. Um, there's more to life than just clothing, and there's more to life than just food. We consider food when we're hungry, but then we go about all the business of life. There is, there is more than just these things. But when anxiety and dread are lurking, they they drive and fuel our worry. And we have a hard time changing our perspective. So Jesus says, first of all, consider this, that there's more. And then he gives us an example. His first example is the birds. He says this, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet... Your heavenly Father feeds them. We are anxious and worried about what it is that we're going to eat, how it is that we're going to have enough money, enough supply to meet our needs. And Jesus says there are are creatures who need to eat, and they're not worried. Their Father in heaven feeds them. 
Now, my mother's mother used to say of people, she was a sweet grandma, she had a lot of opinions, uh, and she used to say about some people, she would say, she was sweet, I'm not taking that from her, but she did have a lot of opinions. And, and she would say, oh, look at her, she eats like a bird. Now, to my grandma, my little grandma, she was, she was small, and so we called her little grandma, um, she meant that this person and their eating habits, that they did not eat very much. This is not true of most birds, right? This is, this is not true. She's like, oh, this person eats very little, like a bird. Not true, Grandma, sorry. Um, birds eat a lot. A chickadee, okay, I looked this up, can eat 35% of its body weight in a day. Okay, now, my weight is a sensitive subject with me right at this moment. But if that were me, you know what I would eat today? 35% of my body weight, that's about 80 pounds of food. What? 80 pounds of food. They say that hummingbirds, scientists say, that hummingbirds can consume 100% of their body's weight in sugar, water, or nectar every day. And on top of that, right, they are, I mean, I, I, love, I love French fries, but I'm not eating near this number per day. They can eat 2,000 insects, right? Can you imagine if I was like, give me 2,000 French fries? That's not 80 pounds of french fries. But God provides ample food for these birds. Right? Think about all the kind, sweet people who are putting all that seed out there for them too, right? You know? God's motivating their hearts to feed the pretty birds. You know? I don't, I don't get it. You know? I don't, you hang a bird feeder somewhere and you're basically like, you're, you're, you're embracing the idea that that, that there's going to be mess all over the ground near your bird feeder. I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't feed the birds. But God cares for them. They're valuable. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. All right. Maybe I'll be a bird fan in a couple of years. I think very few of them die from hunger, right? You know, they like smack into windows and stuff. And you just find them. God cares for these things, okay? They're valuable to him. And now Jesus says, so consider the birds. They need to eat. And they do eat. And then he says, aren't you of more value than them? We need to stop and to savor that. If you're plagued with anxiety, you're like, I don't know, maybe I'm not as, as valuable as much as a, as a bird. You are. Jesus is implying that in his question, that you're of more value than they are. Genesis 1 teaches you that you're created in the image of God. He's put his stamp on you. Ephesians 2.4 says that you are the object of God's resurrecting power that he loves because of the great love with which he loved us. He raised us up to be seated with Christ. The Bible says that though the body is decaying, you have a treasure in that earthen vessel. And so God values you. He feeds creatures of lesser value. He cares for them. And so all the anxiety, what does it accomplish? The anxiety and worry. He says, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? The answer is not one of you. One person has said, 
that most of the things I worry about never come true. We worry and worry and worry. And what, what stresses us out, we spend all this time and energy, and instead of just saying, look, God has been faithful to me in the past, God, God cares, he is for me, we, we sink into this flood of anxiety. And the problems and difficulties and dangers that we imagine never come to pass. God delivers us from so many things. He supplies the needs of the birds, Jesus says, and he will supply your needs as well. Example number two is the flowers. He says this, why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Consider what Jesus is saying here. What, what, I think what he's talking about is sufficiency and care. We think I must have everything in my life mapped out and perfectly oriented. I stopped using this piece of software years ago called Microsoft Money, right? Um, one, it's a Microsoft product. And, and, and two, you know, what, what the software would do is as I would enter my paychecks and try to budget, it, it didn't do a very good job of the budgeting. It was constantly saying, like, here is the point at which your bills will overwhelm your income. And so, so the chart, this, we're talking like right after Nancy and I got married, the chart would be like this. It would just go, you know, and I'd be in, perpetually in the red. Like, what is up with that? It just, it, it filled me with constant fear. What the real question is, okay, knowing that you will get paid next, soon, what do you need your money to do in the meantime? Oh, okay. That, that's a, that, that enables you to relax and to just chill out, right? We don't have to have everything figured out. We only need to know our next steps. The, the, the flowers don't worry about these kinds of things. The flowers just focus on being who they were created to be. They focus on being beautiful. They don't toil or spin. And Jesus says, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed, arrayed like one of these. Do you know, you know how we know this? On Valentine's Day, many of you will bring your wife a bouquet of flowers, not a bouquet of tiny little pictures of King Solomon. <laughs> Right? The infinite power, that's good, right? The infinite power of God, his design and his care, breathing life and design into this, this flower. The flower just, just obediently emerges from the earth and is beautiful. This is what Jesus says. If God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? God has put this incredibly beautiful design into these flowers. Now, most plants, if you let them grow high enough, will flower, right? If you let your lawn grow high enough so that it flowers, the guy in the truck will stop by your house and write you a citation and fine you and make you mow your lawn, right? We don't get to see the, the grass flowers, 
And I don't know if they're pretty or not, because grass is supposed to be like this high, right? That's it. You know, I mean, it gets this high, you cut it. You cut it down. You know, you gotta gotta maintain it, right? But but most for most of human history, people have not been able to mow all of the fields. They wait until they're really high and they stop growing, and then they cut them down and they, they gather that all up into a pile and they stuff it into the oven. Not the oven in their kitchen, right? They stuff it into the outside oven, which is a place where they burn up stuff. And if God cares for flowers, if he cares for, for grasses and for plants, if he has designed them to be beautiful in that way, will he not care that we have what we need. That's what he's saying here. If he's clothed the flowers that way, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And so so Jesus is, is pulling back the edges of the problem here. Anxiety is driven by our doubts. It's driven by a lack of, of faith, a lack of faith in the goodness of God and his constant care for us. Now I'm anxious about my doubts. Okay. Don't, 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 don't leave yet. Intellect, stay here mentally. Flowers will not live forever. They die. And this is an argument that I lost over and over again. Um, right? This is what I'd say to Nancy. Flowers are not a good symbol of love. Okay, so I bring you these flowers. I give them to you. I love you. And then they putrefy and die. You know, they shrivel and they, you know, they just, and then you throw them away, you know. And I think, I think that once she responded and she said, rocks last forever. I was like, oh, get it? Diamonds, rocks, anyway. Um, but flowers are a symbol to the, to the human that, that, that we do not last forever. But the human being has not been created with a, a, a spirit that dies. We've been created with an infinite spirit and will never die. But do we think that way? Do we, do we think that if, if we experience lack or, or that if we, if we don't have exactly what we think we need, that, that we will somehow go hungry, that we, will, that we will be alone and that no one will be there to come to our aid and to help us? Anxiety is rooted in, I must accomplish this under my own power. I must, I must remove all risk. I must not ever be deficient. I can't be, uh, I can't be humbled. I can't be humiliated. I can't, I can't allow anything to go wrong. And so anxiety rages against the lack of control. And it nourishes itself on things like no one cares. God does not care. But Jesus says to write this on stone, that God does care. It is, it is the foundation of removing our anxiety. This is what Jesus says through Peter. Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. He's saying, Peter is saying, trust Depend, wait on the Lord. Wait in the difficult time now so that God will lift you up. 
And in that time, as you are being humble, he says this in verse 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The, the wet blanket of anxiety drags us down. It, it smothers us under this sense of, I must, I must, I must cast my anxieties. And if I'm, if I'm worried, then I'm not good. I'm bad. I'm being, I'm being bad. And that fuels this cycle of negativity that, that pulls us away from trusting in God. We just hear, do, do. Right? Didn't you just say, Keith, cast all your anxieties on him? Yes, but that's not the root or the foundation. The foundation is this. He cares for you. He cares for you. Listen, if you get anxious about things, if you lay there at night at times, what will I do? How will I make it? How do I know? You have to start from the base. Don't start from the command not to worry. Don't start there because that is a trap. You are starting with your own work. And we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. We're saved by the power of God working on our behalf. Am I, will he take my anxieties? Am I worth taking anxieties from? It doesn't depend on our worth. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Instead, begin with the character of God. Start at the bottom, at the base, at the foundation. He cares for you. That's your identity. If you are in Christ, if you have said, I am a sinner and I deserve no good thing from God and I need God's goodness and God's empowerment, then you are coming to him purely based on grace. But will he take my anxieties? Yes, he will. His grace is not dependent on your perfect performance. His grace is not dependent on your perfect freedom from anxiety. His grace is dependent on His grace. Does that make sense? His grace is gracious, meaning it is not deserved. It is not maintained over time by our deserving of it, but by his gracious character and identity. Now listen to what Jesus says in in, in verse 31. He says, therefore, don't be anxious, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Right? This, is, this is what happens in our house sometimes. We've, we've kind of always had someone who's like four or five or six around the house. right? And it, it goes like this at, at hunger time. This is like one o'clock at church. right? Like, what's for lunch when we get home? What will I eat? And I'm like, can you smell like that your mom has been planning? right? Can you, dost thou not smell the pizza in the air, my son? You know, before you even knew you were hungry, she preheated the oven and put it in. Right? Because she cares for you. Even though you're going to set up this giant crying, freaking out thing. I'm hungry! Right? Mom's on it. Jesus says, don't be anxious about that. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? 
The Gentiles seek after all these things. The Gentiles are separated from God. They don't know God. They don't have any promises that God is a gracious father. Their father in heaven is Zeus, and he is angry, right? And his eye isn't on the sparrow. His eye, if you know anything about Zeus, he's looking for the ladies and throwing lightning bolts at, at people who anger him. The Gentiles are nervous like that. But he says, your heavenly father knows what you need. Anxiety flows from the gap between what we know about God and what we don't know about the future. And so the fight against anxiety is a fight of faith. And so you need a battle plan. Now, um, I was revisiting the subject of who is greater yesterday. Is it Superman or is it Batman? They were, they, they were on the screen. And listen, Superman is the worst. Right? He's got all this power and all this ability, and yet he encounters some villain who's got like lightning bolt powers, and he's like, ah, and he falls on the ground. Right? Batman is just a normal dude. He is driven by this indomitable spirit to survive. Okay? And this is what happens. Batman has got his regular arsenal of batarangs and that ropey thing that he's always swinging on, you know. But then he's got his backup plans, okay? This is what happens. Think think about this in relationship to anxiety. Batman, right, let's say he encounters Mr. Freeze. Not Captain Cold, Mr. Freeze. They are different. Mr. Freeze will shoot him with this gun and he will be encased in ice, right? And you think that's it. He's dead. He's going to get frostbite and all his fingers are going to fall off and he's never going to throw a battering ever again. But this is what happens when he's encased in ice. You will suddenly hear this beeping sound. Like beep, beep, beep. And the little, little heat unit on his belt lights up, right? And the ice suddenly melts. And it's like, aha! Batman knew he fought this guy once and he will show up again and so he must be ready. And so he carries that little thing around whether he fights the Joker or Poison Ivy or the Penguin because you never know when Mr. Freeze is going to come. Right? So so here, here is my encouragement to you. Be ready if you face anxiety. Begin to build your arsenal now and to be ready. And to be ready, you, you, can, you can build yourself a defense mechanism that comes out of the scriptures. I consider it like this way. This is the imagery that I use. Maybe your anxiety comes in with, a, with a different set of images, right? It works like this for me. I'm wandering along and I fall into a pit. And then I'm in this pit and I'm like, how in the world am I going to get out of here? But listen, I've been in this pit before. And I have been delivered. I've been delivered. God has brought me up out of the pit. But you know what I've discovered? If I'm smart, I will keep a ladder with me on my belt. I keep it with me. You know what the first rung in my ladder is? He cares for you. He cares for you. Here I am down, down in, the, in the bottom of the pit and I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that and this is driving me crazy and a lot of times I'll just, I'll write on a sheet of paper, I'll write anxiety in the center of the page and I'll circle it and then I'll start to write all the things that I might be worried about and many times I'll, I'll find one thing and I'll be like, yeah, that's it and then I start from, he cares for you, he cares. Now you might say, what are the rest of the steps? Uh, it doesn't work that way. I can give you my ladder. 
But you're not going to want to climb it. Because you're you. And I'm me. And you need to deal with your fears and your anxieties. And you need to build this thing rung by rung. So that you're ready when your anxiety assails you. The materials are here. And we can talk about it. But you need to be ready to fight back in faith when the ice comes. Or as someone else that that I've talked to about this, the way they think of it as the cement begins to get poured over you. I climb out of the pit, this person rolls out of the way. There's there's, there's subtle differences, but, but you think about your anxiety and how it overwhelms you. Jesus says, look, I will give you evidence. I will show you a way to point yourself away from the anxiety and to to rescue yourself from it. You need to be ready to fight back instead of letting it bury you constantly. Even lame, uncool Batman in the 1960s and 70s, Adam West had shark repellent on his belt, just in case. There's a delayed reaction there. <laughs> I drew that. Um, let, me, let, me, let me share this secret with you. God wants to swap anxieties with you. God wants to swap worries with you. This is what Jesus says. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God is bringing his rule and reign to earth. And if if we say, today I'm going to be focused on living the way that God calls me to, not not walking through life as if it's a a giant stack of bear traps that we can can stumble into and, and God will abandon us. Instead saying, we know that in Christ Jesus, all of our sins have been taken away. We are viewed as righteous in Christ. God cares for us. Instead, We say, what would God have me do today to demonstrate that he is the king of my life, that that he uh, is, is in control, and how would he have me live? And so we seek to share the gospel with others and to love others the way that we love ourselves, and that's the way that we love God. And God says, you worry about that, and I will worry about everything else. All these things will be added to you. Jesus closes by saying this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. You only have to worry. You only have to consider. You only have to be driven by what's in front of you today. And so today, it's how do I speak words of truth to those who need to hear them? How do I love those in my family? How do I live a holy life today? And how do I depend on God today? That's your daily dose of what you're supposed to be considering and focused on. The future, Jesus says, there'll be, there'll be plenty of anxiety tomorrow. There'll be plenty of things to worry about today, but sufficient for today is its own trouble. So my encouragement to you is this. Trust in the foundation that God cares and will supply your needs He will be there for you. You are loved by God. You are empowered by the Spirit. You are justified by the righteousness of Jesus, which is given to you because you put your faith in him and you admitted your own need for him. And so you're loved, you're justified, and you have a mission. 
And so from that foundation that he cares for you, trust God and build the arsenal that you will assault worry with. Listen, this is why we have fighter verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget none of his benefits. All the good that's ever come, remember that and rehearse it. Hold it up like a light in the middle of darkness when you are anxious. And cry out to him to deliver you. And he will because he cares for you. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to open this word. I pray that now having heard the word, this is the time when the devil seeks to distract and to draw the mind away. And so I pray that, that the seed would sink into the good ground. And that the birds of the air, which represent the serpent, that represent the devil, would not come and pluck it away, as you spoke of in your parable. Instead, that we would defend the ground against all those who would seek to to rob us of our security in you. Father, I pray for deliverance from anxiety for those who grapple with it. It is not just fear of the future. It can feel paralyzing and overwhelming and, and just immobilizing. I pray by your grace that we would write this word on our heart, that we are of greater value than sparrows, that you care for us and that we can cast our anxieties on you and that that's what you desire. You are not angry when we come to you with worry, saying, take this. You wish we would have come earlier. And that should not be a source of condemnation for us either. Father, may we walk in your grace, trusting in you for your good, and may we live our mission with freedom and joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this closing song together.